the topic we're getting into today is running from lions. And this is a topic that is hitting really close to home for us right now. So it was really on our hearts to, to share this. Um, we're, we're becoming a culture that is chronically stressed out and it's affecting not only our, our physical health, but it's affecting a lot of our relationships as well. And this is something that, you know, right now we're, we're in a place right now that we have a, a young baby. So we have a seven month old. Uh, we have a, a really crazy, really crazy two year old right now. Um, and we also have a seven year old and we're, we're running a business together. And so we're in a place in life that we've never been before and we're figuring it out and trying to learn how to work on our marriage, work on our relationship as as parents, um, how to build relationships with kids at different stages. And so there's there's all these new things and these new stressors that we've never dealt with before. And, and it was for, for myself personally, you know, I, I was not I wasn't handling the stress well. And it was it was starting to, um, you know, really, really take a toll on my health. Yeah, there's so many things that you know, we that we stack in, you know, like balls in the air. We're trying to juggle all of these things. It's created this this environment where we just accept being stressed out as a totally normal thing because it's common. And when we when we get to that point where we just we say, well, I don't know what to do, so I'm just it is what it is. And that's an expression that that I I absolutely can't stand. That it is what it is. I always want to look for the solution and try to be the fixer. And you know, this dealing with different things has been a challenge for me personally, because when I see my wife going through something, when I know that she's more stressed out in different areas, whether it's practice management or, you know, family management or life management, whatever it may be, I naturally or innately want to do whatever I can to take that away. And the problem is with that is we can't remove stress. And I think that's where you know, where we get culturally, we want to find the answer to eliminate it. And it's not about eliminating stress. It's about finding ways to deal with it, to acknowledge that it's there, to move past it, and then continue to move forward. Because stress is inevitable. You know, without stress, we wouldn't have diamonds. You know, carbon needs stress to create, you know, the most beautiful thing that that we have with jewelry. And, you know, there's an absolutely necessary component of going through hard times because it makes you appreciate the good times. So we're not at all going to be talking about ways that we can eliminate stress from our life because that would be silly and impossible and completely unrealistic. We're going to be talking about the the things that we do personally, you know, with ourselves and with our family to help acknowledge that the stress is there, move past it and continue to just do the best that we can with what we're given. Yeah, we very much culturally use stress as a negative term. And there's there's good stressors. You know, having a new baby is a beautiful stressor. And I'm so thankful every day that God has blessed us, you know, with her and, you know, three beautiful kids and everything that we have in life. And so we accept and I think that that's the first thing is you have to accept that stress doesn't mean a negative thing. But if we keep perceiving it that way, it's going to keep us in that downward spiral. And so when we realize stress is a, a necessary thing, we can start to use it for good uh, when we start to acknowledge it appropriately. But 
we're really becoming a culture that staying in this heightened level of stress and not managing it well is actually now trickling down to our children. I mean, absolutely. When when we look at when Aaron and I are stressed out, it adds a completely different dynamic to how our family interacts with one another, how, you know, how our, our boys interact and play with each other, how, you know, they, they treat our daughter, like all of that, that negative that we're not processing as parents absolutely gets pushed onto our kids. And it's definitely something that we see culturally when parents are running around from, you know, work to school or to school drop off, to work, to pick the kids up, to get to sports or an extracurricular activity, to get home for dinner, for bath time, to bed. Like, think about the whirlwind that that's created for our kids. And like I said, this isn't about avoiding it because that's absolutely necessary. There's families that have to do what they need to do to be a great family, but we're not going to avoid it. We need to to be able to take the time to appreciate what we're doing, slow things down a little bit, and make sure that we're not bulldozing our kids with how we're feeling emotionally. Uh, and that's definitely something that, you know, we, we say, they say you write the book you need to read. Well, this is, we're doing the podcast that Aaron and I need to hear because I can absolutely speak to when I feel like I'm overwhelmed with life, I bulldoze everything. And I don't necessarily always... I'm not always necessarily the, the greatest at acknowledging that my feelings can absolutely overpower the family's feelings. So it's something that I have to to definitely be present with and conscientious about how I interact and how I react to different things that happen in the house. And when we're raising kids, we need to own the responsibility of it's our actions that are going to become their actions. We tend to as parents, we, we want to change things and make them better than what we, when we were, you know, our faults, we want to change in our kids. And so we, we tend to say things like, oh, you should be doing this, or I want you to do this. But then we don't realize that if we don't change our actions, they're just going to be following exactly what we're doing. We, they, they, do what we do. They don't do what we, what we say and what we're telling them to do. They're constantly looking at our actions and our kids become what they see happening on a daily basis. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we are showing a great example of not living in a state of high stress and fear, because that's really where if we don't manage stress appropriately, it becomes where we're living in a state of constant fear. Um, and so we don't want our kids to, to be living that way. And, you know, we want to give appropriate ways to be able to manage it and see when they are stressed out with different things, teach them ways to manage it. And, you know, that's how we're going to make them better. So our solutions to stress that, you know, there's no magic pill. There's, there's no shortcut to it. There's definitely, you know, things that we've done, um, that have been amazingly successful for us. There's things that we've tried to do to help with stress that haven't worked for us. But, uh, you know, when you think about it, anything that you do that creates change is a stressor. So what we're going to talk about might be adding a little bit of what, what would initially be looked at as stress, but ultimately it's, it's a good stress addition by subtraction, <laughs> right? So, or I guess subtraction by addition. Yeah. 
Really so we're going to uh, talk about adding in good stressors and changing our perception of things. And and one of the, the first things that we're going to go over are tools to, to manage stress well is moving our body. And this is something that I really needed to do consistently. And I, I, I want to preframe that running like constantly like physically moving your body, like going from place to place is different than actually intentionally exerting physical movement. Um, I hope that that makes sense. You know, I, I, people say all the time, well, you know, I'm constantly moving. I'm going from this place to the other and I'm taking kids here and I'm taking kids here, but that's not physically exerting your body. You're just going through motions of things. Well, there is a, a study that we looked at our, our benchmark for movement throughout the day is 10,000 steps, whether you have the watch or the pedometer or whatever it may be like, that's kind of the criteria that we've set for like our standard. So a lot of times people say, well, I got my 10,000 steps. I'm good. Well, there was a study done, uh, and it was published and kind of shared through, uh, the Lancet. And they looked at that and they said, well, 10,000 steps is great, but that's what we should be getting. That's like, that's the minimum. That's your buy-in to be able to sit down at the table and actually play. We need to get moving beyond that. So what Aaron's saying is like constantly being on the go is different than satisfying a, a genetic requirement we have for movement, especially when it comes to shutting off the fight or flight response. So when we talk about running from a lion, that's a stressor that we have to run from. You know, we, we either stand and fight, we, we run from it, with flight or we freeze. All of those things are part of a stress response that we go through. The movement part of it, running from it, getting the exercise component or moving our bodies is satisfying and completing the part of the, the stress response of flight. So when we say it, like exactly saying running from lions, this is a, a survival mechanism. So stress, the stress response getting initiated in the body is to, to survive. It's to allow you to, if a dangerous situation, if you're put in that, you need to be able to utilize all of your body's energy sources to survive in that moment. And so there's physiological changes that happen when the stress response gets initiated. It's an adaptive mode and it mobilizes the body's resources to, to deal with that one moment. Nothing else matters other than that one moment of survival, running from the lion, or the possibility of having to fight the lion. And I definitely would choose running from the lion instead of trying to fight it. But what happens is when the stress response gets initiated, the, the sympathetic nervous system, it's a branch of your autonomic nervous system. It stimulates your adrenal glands to release hormones that increase your heart rate, increase your blood pressure, increases breathing. It actually is going to take a blood supply and divert it to your extremities so your muscles have all the, the blood flow for to be able to work at their maximum potential. And so it mobilizes all the body's resources for movement to happen. Now, the problem is we're talking about an actual life-threatening situation of a lion being in front of you. But what happens is in our daily lives, even though we don't have lions that we're confronting, we have perceived lions that we're confronting. And so the body doesn't know the difference between 
uh, an actual threat in front of us versus a perceived threat that we're creating in our mind. And so when we're stressed out and we're saying, I have all these unanswered emails that I have to get to, I have these deadlines that I have to meet, I have to have my kids go here, and we have all these pressures that we build up in our mind and create this fear and create this uh, perceived stress, we're creating a lion, a, a fake lion that is is happening in our brains, but we're initiating the same physiological change to happen. We're mobilizing all the body's resources, getting prepared for movement, for fight or flight. But now think about in our culture, we don't actually do the movement side of it. And so we, the movement part of it is what resets the body back into parasympathetic balance, the rest and digest. So once our body goes through the big burst of energy to fight or flee, and then it stops, our, our brain actually resets everything knowing I'm safe, everything is good, and I can reset back into balance. But we're missing that component now. And so we stay in the chronic fight or flight response for days, for weeks, for sometimes people are chronically in that for years. They never get out of sympathetic dominance. And this is this is creating disease in their bodies. But it's we have to do something to reset the body to get out of that sympathetic dominance. So a quick action step that you can take immediately to start incorporating movement it is not to get on a treadmill and run for two, three hours. The movement that we're talking about is a short burst. It's at a high intensity that doesn't take long at all to satisfy. So there was a study done uh, by the Journal of Applied Physiology, and they looked at what type of movement had the biggest results. And they had half the participants exercise for five days a week, an hour at a time at moderate intensity. So we'll say 60 to 70 percent of the participants maximum heart rate. The other half worked out for three days a week, 15 minutes at a time, 80 to 90% of their maximum heart rate. And they found that the participants that worked out for only 45 minutes in a week had the same or better results physiologically than the group that worked out for five hours. So think about that. We are trained to think we need to go to a gym exercise for an hour, get an hour or two of cardio, work out in this magical fat burning zone so that we can look a certain way or feel a certain way. But then in reality, it's not as impactful. It's not as beneficial. It's not as effective as working out for just 15 minutes, a minimum of three days per week at a higher intensity, 80 to 90% of your maximum. So we can have far, far greater bang for your buck when we talk about movement in short bursts of high intensity. So we don't need to go moderate intensity forever. We want to work out for a short period of time for just 15 minutes as fast and as hard as we can go, giving ourselves sometimes equal rest. So 30 seconds, as fast as you can go with 30 seconds of rest. You know, the, the, the whole idea of interval training, Tabata training is 20 seconds of work and 10 seconds of rest for a certain movement just eight times you do eight sets. So like running in place as quick as you can run 20 seconds, you rest for 10 seconds, repeat it eight times, pick a different movement. So that satisfies the movement component for helping to manage and deal with stress. Well, and that's, if you look at the intensity that Zach is describing there, you got to use, think of the intensity as if you were trying to run from a lion, that's how you're going to reset yourself. So if you're living in this place of high anxiety, high stress, 
you have to move your body. And that's a place that I was getting to. I noticed that, you know, anxiety was really starting to, to hit me hard and, and things that really like I, I shouldn't have been stressed out about. I was like creating this. I was creating lions in my mind and I needed to do the the movement side of things and go all out and give all of my energy and divert all of my resources so my brain could know that I actually ran from that lion or I fought it. I like to look at, you know, my imagined lions. I definitely will fight in my mind. A real lion I would I run from. But my imagined lions that I create when I'm working out and giving it my all, I am like fighting that lion and beating it to the ground. And I finish that workout just feeling so good that, you know what, I survived. I got through this. And, you know, that translates over into what the rest of my day is going to look like if I do the movement that way. So everything that we're talking about is is absolutely just going back to what we were created for. We were created to stand and fight or run and flee. So when we look at the movement side of things, that's what that's what we are made. That's the natural response. It's not the common response. It's the natural response. And then we, so when we change gears and we look at something like using light as a just an amazing way to balance and change how we're dealing and processing with stress, we are constantly exposed to different types of light and it creates or continues a stress response. So this was something that, you know, Aaron started doing uh, much more recently, Probably but about two been, weeks ago, started this. Yeah. And it's been amazing for balancing and just dealing with the end of the day stressors, shutting off the mind. So when it's time to go to sleep, we can actually go to sleep. Well, if, if anybody ever feels, uh, that state, the, the tired and wired where I would I'd be exhausted and I would go to lay down to, to go to sleep. Um, and initially I could fall asleep, but it would only be for, maybe an hour as soon as I actually was getting into REM sleep, the deep sleep cycle, I would like wake up startled and be wide awake. And then I would be laying there sometimes for two, three hours. Just my brain would not shut off and I was exhausted. Yeah. I was being creepy and watching, um, (laughs) we're, we're co-sleeping with our, our daughter right now. And so she's there and I would just stare at her and my husband and, uh, wish I was deep sleeping, comfortable like they were, <laughs> but and then I, I couldn't go back to sleep. So that tired and, and wired state, um, it's adrenal fatigue because I, I've been burning for a long time in a heightened stress response that my body's been releasing cortisol and adrenaline and just getting wiped out. And so I needed to do some things differently. And that's where we incorporate the light therapy. So my brain could actually transition out of that state and I could get restful sleep to start to reset my body rhythms and cycles. So, you know, when, when we talk about light therapy, whether it's, you know, chromotherapy that you may be exposing yourself to different frequencies of light, you know, different colors have been, have been shown to have bigger impacts of, or having different effects within the body, uh, something like, or, or something like photobiomodulation, which is, you know, specific targeted light therapy that, creates a different physiological response or the way that we would be talking about light therapy in a sense that anybody could adopt immediately is acknowledging when you should be looking at certain types of light. So I'm going to paint a picture or a scenario and just tell me if this rings or what you can't tell me because you're listening. So imagine (laughs) this. I'll tell you. Aaron will tell me, (laughs) you know, how many people do you know, or you yourself go to bed and maybe not watch TV, but you have the 
the iPhone or the iPad or whatever smart device in front of you, right in front of your face, blasting you with blue light. Absolutely, some of that is common because manufacturers have the night mode setting where it changes the, the color, it reduces the blue lights and shifts to a more yellow, red, orange light. Uh, or if you're watching TV, you're supposed to sleep with the TV on, we're constantly exposing ourselves to this blue light, this blaring light. That, that our body that we know mentally is us watching TV is what we're doing to relax our mind at the end of the day. Physiologically, our brain thinks that we're staring at the sun. So it thinks that we're outside looking at the sun, and then we shut the TV off and we say, okay, brain, go to sleep now. It doesn't work like that. So blue light, as I was talking about this, we're meant to be exposed to blue light in the morning when we're waking up. And so what blue light triggers is this uh, awake state. So what he's saying is if you're looking at the, the screens and, and having that blue light, you're exposing yourself to right before you go to bed, you're really confusing your brain to think, what am I supposed to be awake right now? And then all of a sudden we say, no, shut up and go to sleep. We're, we're not even transitioning our brain to be able to do that. And, and when Aaron's saying blue light, we're not meaning like, like the color blue, like it's blue tan. It's like the super white. It's so, so white. It's like bluish color, like that like hospital setting, fluorescent bulb. White, ultra white light is what we, what we use to initiate our day, start our day. It's what wakes us up. So when we, when we have, so for Aaron and we have the, our lights get brighter and they're very bright. They start dimming, go to very bright to wake us up rather than using like a, a glaring alarm clock. We use light to wake us up. Well, the reason alarm clocks can be damaging is if you're in the middle of a sleep cycle and all of a sudden a alarm goes off, you have melatonin that's really heightened when you're in REM. And if you wake yourself out of that state, you have so much melatonin, you're in that like groggy state. And so some people might feel like that some mornings where you're just like, it takes you so long to wake up, like sometimes even hours that you're just like out of it, exhausted, you know, trying to drink coffee, things to get out of that place because you got disrupted in the middle of a sleep cycle. So we actually don't use an alarm clock. We have lights that are at a certain time they slowly start to get brighter and brighter and it will slowly start to break your body out of the sleep cycle and wake up instead of abruptly pulling you out of it so melatonin levels have the ability to calm down before you're actually in the fully awake state what well, simulates the sunrise and you know that goes back to what we what we want to see naturally happen that's what would wake us up as humans the sun coming up that brightness hitting our face and, and awakening, awakening us. So same thing at the end of the day. We, and just recently, uh, you know, Aaron's been taking the time to watch the sunset. We're fortunate to be able to see, you know, a very beautiful sunset you know, outside of our house. But looking at that, that shift from bright blue midday sunlight into the end of the day where it goes to those pinks and reds and it gets that yeah, like the orange natural, and yellow tones you know those those colors are huge so then also setting your those lights that would naturally brighten to wake us up would also naturally dim at the end of the night to simulate you know a second sun sunset because you know we're not ready to go to bed always at 7 30 8 o'clock so we have those lights also that would dim naturally and simulate the sunset and, and prime our bodies for, okay, now it's time to go to sleep. And taking that time has been really important as a, a mom too. You know, I just, I, I'm working full time. I'm away from my baby and she's seven months old right now. And I, I just, I need that time with her. She needs that time with me as well. And so we've taken when I get home, just being able to go and like watch the sunset and hold her and be with her. Um, has been really good for my soul and really good for my stress response, being able to calm down. And I'm actually, you know, using breathing techniques, which that's the the third thing we're going to get into as far as, um, you know, managing stress. But that's been just a, an amazing thing to do. And then when I come into our house, so I'm, I've been sitting outside because the weather's been awesome watching the sunset. And then coming inside, our lights indoors are matching the tone of the sunset. Because if I go from that to like bright lights inside, Zach was saying, we also want to dim the lights in our house to keep that same tone set. And, and since doing that, you know, we've, we've been very, uh, very conscientious of removing TV and technology. And it's, it's hard for me. It's, you know, we've talked about this before. I, I struggle with, you know, if I sit down for TV, like I, I don't want to shut it off. I want to keep going. So it's, definitely been something that was initially a struggle but 
for the the family dynamic, we we are all constantly just happier and and more present with each other. So um, while it may have been an initial stressor to not have something that I'm comfortable with, it's definitely been a blessing in removing, you know, removing a huge other source of stress by creating just happiness and joy with the family. So to get into some of the breathing techniques that, you know, that Erin was talking about that she's doing while watching the sunset, you know, there's, there's tons of different ways that you can incorporate breathing or getting oxygen into the system to help balance and balance and reduce stress, but also stabilize and normalize cortisol levels. Uh, The most common way, and I would say it's become more mainstream, is the box breathing approach where you're doing a four-second inhale through the nose with a four-second hold, a four-second exhale out the nose or mouth. Um, typically when you're, when you're exhaling through the mouth, if you're going to be doing that, the tongue would be resting just behind your two front teeth, the top two front teeth, and then a four second hold at the exhale. So that box, the four, four in, four hold, four out, four hold has been shown to have a, a huge benefit to various physiological responses. The biggest one being Uh, stabilizing and normalizing blood pressure. There was a study done in Japan. They looked at the number of breaths using that, you know, that box cycle, the number of breaths needed to reduce blood pressure. And it was actually, uh, they found that six deep breaths helped to reduce a person's blood pressure greater than medications. Uh, And this is something that is backed by Harvard Medical. You know, there's a an article that they looked at how stress has been shown to raise blood pressure, but taking deep breaths and having that mindful breathing actually helps to bring it back down into normal levels. So, if you're feeling more overwhelmed with the day, take you know, take it's like 60 seconds. It's not even 60 seconds. It's, you know, it's take a minute or so to Take four-second inhale, four-second hold, four-second exhale, four-second hold. Repeat that six times and just see how much more calm you feel, how that stress just washes off of you. Well, I think when we get into a place of you know, being in chronic stress, I didn't even realize that I was there. It was like I was there but didn't recognize it until I started to kind of hit a breaking point with things. So a lot of you might be in that state of chronic stress and kind of be in denial that you're actually living in that place. And when I thought about I was I was just shallow breathing all day. Like I wasn't even taking any deep breaths. And when I started doing the – the breathing exercises and the box breathing, it was really difficult. Like I couldn't even take the deep breaths. I, I was having trouble holding just four second holds. And I realized, holy cow, I'm not even taking time right now to breathe appropriately. And so how the heck is my body going to function well when I'm not even getting oxygen? Of course, that's going to initiate a physiological like fight or flight response. My body thinks it's dying. It's not even getting enough oxygen to my tissues. And so it was, I had to be intentional. You know, I actually set alerts on my phone to, it said breathe throughout the day. So I would do that exercise. Um, but I, I noticed after a couple of weeks of being intentional with that, that I am just throughout the day, just taking deep breaths. Like subconsciously, I'm just, I started doing it. It's, now I, I, my body is recognizing when it needs more oxygen and needs to reset and it's just primed to already start to go into that different mode of breathing. But it took some time to be intentional about it. And it, it really like I, I remember going through one of the breathing exercises and when I finished, I just felt like all my muscles relax and I felt in a very calm and just good 
state that my body was in. I haven't felt that for a long time. So the idea of breathing before we, before we shift gears and, and talk about the, the thing that's been most impactful for me with managing stress, the thing with breathing, especially the, the nasal breathing is that it, it needs to be that kind of nasally like breath in through the nose. It's not this quiet, like you're trying to be shy about breathing in through your nose. It's kind of that loud, like you're almost creating tension at the back of your throat, like breathing in through the nose. So it's, it's a powerful breath that's initiating this response with the hold. And then same idea. If you're exhaling through the nose, it's, it's a loud, it's almost obnoxious. Isn't the word, but if you were next to somebody like in church, they would look at you like, are you okay? <laughs> kind of breath. And it's not this quiet, modest, you're trying to well, sneak I think somebody said that it, when you're breathing like that, it should sound Sounds like the like, ocean. Yeah. yeah. Like the tide coming in and the, the tide going back out. And that, like when I heard that, it made the breath even more relaxing yeah. thinking about actually like it did kind of sound like an ocean and you can visualize that. And, and this isn't a new concept. This has been around for thousands of years, the, the idea of using breath. We just but forget to breathe now. <laughs> I'm not going to demonstrate what that sounds like because that doesn't make for good listening. <laughs> just know, like imagine when you're breathing, it would sound like waves coming in and out in the ocean and just that, even that idea, I mean, yeah, it's, it's absolutely relaxing. Um, changing gears. The thing that's had the biggest impact for me with managing stress aside from, you know, those, the three things that we've talked about, the thing that I, I know I need to work on most is the gratitude side of things and being present and mindful. And so when we talk about eliminating TV, it creates this it creates this whole new environment for being present with family and just loving the place that you're at and realizing that you're never going to have this time again. So why would you waste it watching a show to numbing yourself or, or just being there, but not really being there? Well, and incorporating that with, you know, the, the light therapy in the morning and the evening um, and with the breathing, the gratitude ties right into that where, you know, I'm, I'm taking that time to, you know, be in prayer, to, you know, be thankful for, you know, the things that we have to, um, you know, pray and ask God for things that I'm struggling with to, to go through that. Um, and then to just think about the things that, yeah, there may be things that are difficult and that I have to face throughout the day, but I'm going to first count my blessings and I'm going to first, instead of going right to the negative of things, I'm going to look at the positive side of it. And it starts to, you start to train your mind to just go to the positive right away instead of right away, you know, trying to, to get overwhelmed before your day even starts. Yeah. So we think let's, let's go back to when we talk about how most of us fall, you will would fall asleep by looking at their phone. They, they, they're falling asleep checking Facebook or Instagram or clearing out emails or texts. And then the first thing that we do when we wake up is we grab the phone, we check, check our notifications. We flip on Facebook to look at someone's highlight reel and compare it to our life. And then we look at Instagram or whatever social media you use. And then maybe we check the headlines to see what's going on, what what negative story the media could share with us. Yeah, we and, have the news on in the morning and or we, evening. We start this day where we're just negative, negative, negative. And we don't we don't wake up feeling grateful that, you know, I I woke up with a, a roof over my head. I you know, for us, we woke we wake up with 
you know, a beautiful little girl in our bed that probably didn't let us sleep as great as we would have liked, but we may wake up with her, uh, clawing at our face (laughs) or pulling my hair. Um, but it's a beautiful thing to wake up to. (laughs) So, I mean, how we look at things can absolutely, can, can absolutely affect or shape our day. So when we look at it through the lens of gratitude, it makes it, it makes the day more enjoyable. It makes the, the day seem less stressful. And you pair that with you waking up, being happy that your eyes opened and you, you pair that with movement you know, a, a natural, physiologically appropriate f- source of light, and all you check all the boxes for just having a really, really great day. So this is where we control what we can control and realize that life isn't going to get easier. We just have to get better. And what's really been, you know, resonating with me right now is, you know, I heard, I can't remember, I heard this years ago that you can, you can either worry or you can trust God, but you can't do both. And so, you know, I'm remembering right now that I'm controlling the things that I can control and then I'm giving the rest up to God and trusting and trusting him in the way that he's directing and leading my life. And that's also been a big part of, you know, taking the quiet time. Um, It's it's to bring myself into a state that I can, you know, really focus on, you know, where where I'm at right now. And, you know, am I living the life the way that God intended for me to? Am I living, um, you know, and and fulfilling what what he's called me to do and that time has really helped me to to refocus on those things so control what you can control and stress isn't going to go away but just get better at using techniques to manage it and how you perceive it and look at stress as a good thing that you're making diamonds no pressure no diamonds so don't expect everyone to incorporate exercise breathing light gratitude all at once next day like first opportunity, pick one and then add the others in, like add it one at a time, get better at it. If you're able to do all four that, that we suggest awesome. If you're not, don't stress about it. Find a, find a way to get 1% better. And you know, that's the biggest takeaway that we give every single person that we're blessed to be able to come in contact with, whether it's in person or you're listening to us, it's just get as as good as you can, as quickly as you can. 1% better is all we need to focus on improving. And this is going to be a great example that you're leading your kids through and how to manage stress appropriately um, and apply these techniques with your kids. If you see them getting into an overly stressful state, it's the same thing applies with them. So I hope this helped you guys. Uh, if it did, share it with people that you love and care about because chances are they're dealing with stuff that they're just not telling you about help them to overcome, deal with stress in an appropriate way. And we love you guys.